Welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series, episode number 59 with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today, I interview John Peebles, CEO and founder of Administrate, about managing instructor-led training at huge scale. You can find more of our fiercely independent content at talentedlearning.com. Well, welcome back, listeners, to the Talented Learning Show. On this show, I am fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning solutions from both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives, and today is no different. From the vendor expert side of the fence, we are lucky to have John Peebles, who has built a TMS, a training management system, a solution that enables organizations that schedule and deliver live training at large volume. What? In the modern world of online learning and LMS, why focus on the old age topic of ILT management? Well, delivering measurable and incredible ROI for one important reason, market need and opportunity for a second and a third. Modern LMSs have largely left ILT management behind for electronic learning, but ironically and interestingly, many organizations have not, leaving a huge, cost-sucking administrative hole that John and his team know how to plug, and we're going to learn all about it. John, welcome to the Talented Learning Show. It's great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome. This is uh, exciting. We first met all the way back in ATD 2015 in Washington, D.C., when uh, this idea of your solution was just a, a fledgling idea. And I've been watching it grow here over the last eight or nine years uh, until now, which is uh, what we're going to learn all about is uh, a pretty impressive and an ROI generating beast uh, that you've delivered uh, for your organizations or for your clients. And so but as it turns out, administrates probably not a household name. So why don't we start at the top and tell us about your company and the solution and how you got started and what it is. And we'll go from there. Sure. And I think at the time I'd convinced you to award us the top learning platform in Scotland, uh, which, you know, I think we're still one of the only learning platforms in Scotland. So maybe we, we can certainly one on. of the best, certainly one yeah, of the best. continue on with that award. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're headquartered out here in Scotland, which is, you know, a little bit unusual for, for a lot of folks. Almost all of our business is done in North America, though, and obviously my my accent is American. Uh, but my kind of route to this, this problem and this solution that we have really started at a previous company that I was the CTO and COO of. It was a healthcare technology business based in South Florida. And we had a niche within a niche, which was pharmacy transaction processing. And it's not really important what we did, but we had to onboard a bunch of people, whether they were employees or they were customers or partners. And even if they were lifelong pharmacists, licensed and credentialed, all that, what we were doing was so uh, novel and specific that it required tons of training. And that fell under me. And so I had to figure out, you know, how do we train this fast growing company with, it grew to about 120 people in about five years. We had hundreds and hundreds of hospitals all across the US that were uh, subscribing to our services. And this training problem, we just, we could never find a solution that would scale, that would really deliver the kind of training that was required when it was required and it hurt our growth, you know, and it was a big challenge that that just was an unsolved problem. And so when I when I left that company and was kind of thinking about what what's next, the the idea that there there's this problem of scaling a company and and basically scaling learning 
was kind of at the forefront of my mind. And I happened across this little tiny tool that had just recently been spun out from a training company. And they had built some software that were, that was trying to solve their, their needs of how do you, you know, operate a, a training organization uh, at scale and grow it and, and not have it all locked up in spreadsheets and paper and so forth. And so I joined on uh, to that to that idea because I, I really felt acutely the problem of not only getting the operations straightened out and uh, and implemented and scalable, but also having to justify budget to my CEO at the time. You know where was this money going that didn't seem to really affect growth, but we all knew if we sat down and thought about it that it was impacting us demonstrating that was really difficult. And so it's kind of those two two sides of that coin. How do you get the operations running well? And then how do you demonstrate ROI? Like you mentioned, the, that's the problem that we're fundamentally trying to solve here to administrate. And so uh, as I alluded to at the beginning, a lot of organizations or their perception out there, a lot of people solve this through uh, asynchronous online learning or, or e-learning. But when you're talking about training organizations, you're talking about scheduling and maintaining all the operations that go with with uh, scheduling uh, instructor-led training, uh, virtual instructor-led training or instructor-led training. Tell us about it. why is that still a problem? Isn't everybody just doing e-learning? It's a great question. And, you know, we don't hate e-learning or anything like that. Uh, we think it's a really useful tool. But I think what has happened is over the last 20 years, our industry is over-indexed on it. And I think that's easy to do, right? Because you and I, we're knowledge workers. We bring skills to the table and we get a new job. And, you know, largely the COO skills that I had at my previous company were applicable to the COO skills that I needed at Administrate when I joined here. Um the, but there's so much training out there that is hands-on with equipment or needing specialized skills that you have to be taught that are unique to whatever the business that you're joining is. So the, the example I give a lot of times is it doesn't matter if you've been a BMW you know, plant worker in your entire career. If you go to a Mercedes plant, you got to relearn everything. And one of the most efficient ways, and we've known this for years, but one of the most efficient ways to get folks to really internalize and, you know, I always joke that and it's true that uh, learning is behavioral modification, right? To, to actually modify a learner's behavior into the, the, the route that you want them to go, classroom training tends to be the most effective. And, you know, that's borne out by the fact that, you know, depending on what you read between 60 and 80% of all training in corporate America today is still done in a classroom, whether that's a virtual classroom or, or not. And, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, but that that's the reality. And that means that 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 I, that whole area has been underserved over the last couple of decades, we believe, uh, by by the learning technology landscape. Interesting. And when you say uh, learning or we're talking about learning or ILT uh, at scale, what's at scale mean? What's your ideal customer profile? We tend to target large organizations, and by that I mean minimum a thousand employees. We, you know, there's obviously exceptions to everything, uh, and there's fast-growing companies and so forth. But where we can really help is at the problem of delivering training at scale, and for us that means, you know, hundreds and hundreds of instructors, thousands or tens of thousands of courses being run every year, tens of thousands of learners, if not more. Um, so your Fortune 1,000 companies and up your very sophisticated multinational organizations. They're running training all over the globe, 
all the time trying to make it standardized. And these are, you know, these are challenges of training teams that could have dozens or hundreds of individuals uh, as part of them. So if if you're a large company that is delivering training at scale in the you know thousands of classes a year, you should you should talk to us. That's that's who we're targeting. Mm-hmm. And what's uh, why don't you dig deeper onto that for us on uh, what these challenges are? Are they just administrative? Is it uh, I don't know logistics? Uh, you were talking earlier about you know equipment like. Uh, Make it salient for us. Sure. So, I mean, all of us have been to to school, hopefully. <laughs> some of us have gone longer than others. And some of us, you know, did better at school than others. I famously barely graduated. Still trying uh, to get there one day myself. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so we've all been students. Uh, but where I really had my eyes open was I, I grew up in China and in the 80s and 90s. And so when you're a, a foreign kid that uh, is out out of school for the summer and you're looking to make some, you know, get a summer job, it's a little difficult, you know? And uh, one thing that I did find that I could uh, get earn decent money at was, was English training, right? Teaching English. And so I kind of came on board at the, the seasoned age of 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, right? As a, a elite English instructor for a number of different training organizations and training companies in the Northeast of China. And you know, it was great. I could show up, we could you know, teach the curriculum and whatever and, and and make a lot of money. But what I found was the actual administrative overhead that I then had to encounter as an instructor. So not only did I do all the work that I had to, to do about lesson planning and grading and all that stuff, but I had to, you know, fit into the schedules and the course and class, you know, room requirements and you know, some of my classes were kind of free to attend, which meant that there's capacity problems if the class got popular and we'd have to move around. And so all of that juggling and resource management work that I had never been exposed to as a student was kind of part of my job, right? And so I often think back, that was the first window into in, in my life into this problem of how do you deliver this classroom stuff to lots and lots of people, right? And make it standardized and so forth. So when we think about the challenges that are inherent in delivering classroom training, it's things like, where is it going to be? What what room is it going to be in? Do you have the right room? Is the right equipment in the right room? Does it need to be moved or staged into place? Does it need to be cleaned beforehand or checked after or calibrated? Do you have the right instructors? Do they Are their qualifications current, right? Uh, are the materials there that need to be that need to be sent over? Are there books? Is there e-learning pre-work or post? How do we get all that assembled and put together and, and ready to go for these students? And then how do we communicate all this to them? You know, how do, how do we send out emails to thousands of students at different stages of their learning journey to understand that they need to go to this class at this place at this time and, and prepare these things? And oh, by the way, let's make sure we don't screw up their their meal or their allergy or dietary requirements that might be required along the way, because all of these things impact the perception of quality and the experience of the learner, which you know we're all trying to maximize. And all of these things can directly impact the efficacy of the training itself. And so when you try to, it's it's hard enough to get this done, you know, for, for like one event, right? I'm on the board of a of a uh, two-day event here in Scotland, a great a great tech conference, and there's all of this intense effort or whatever put into two days two days a year. And I joke that my friend who runs it only works two and a half days a year, right? Um, 
but that's just one event. And then you try to roll that out and run it hundreds and hundreds of times at that scale globally in different time zones, different languages and so forth, it becomes a nightmare. And so what has happened is because of the nature that most platforms are never really contemplating solving this problem, people have grown spreadsheets, maybe the more sophisticated folks have put together some rudimentary software to try to help with this problem, but it's a huge, huge problem. And it's compounded by the fact that often training teams don't even own all of these resources. So they don't exclusively control meeting rooms, for example, or classrooms. And you're sharing this with other pieces of the business and it just devolves and devolves and devolves. And you, we've got some really frustrated folks out there that are doing a really good job, but just aren't set up for success trying to trying to help run these training operations. And that's who we want to, that's who we want to help. That's who you're helping and that's who you're enabling. And so if you're using spreadsheets to to do this, so what would, tell me a, uh, tell me a, a story, uh, tell us a story about uh, this in, in practical action. You don't have to name a client, but in, in a practical action, what would be a, an application of this? Uh, you were talking about the two day, but this has to do with like product rollouts and things also. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the, one of the areas that we've done very well in that we're proud of some of the stories that we've had is, is software companies, right? We're, we're a software company. Um, and, you know, a lot of these companies, they, they want to do a good job on implementation, implementing their software and rolling their software out and so on. And that requires a lot of training of their customers. So customer training is, is a huge area where, where there's a lot of focus, um, but also a lot of these software companies are out acquiring other software companies, right? And so if you think about one of our large customers, they do something like two acquisitions a week, you know, on average. And if you're trying to train your sales force on the latest, greatest tool that we've bought or the thing that we are bringing into the massive intergalactic fold, you know, of products that we have, that is really, really difficult. Um, and so how do you, how do you roll that out? How do you make sure that, the, the people that need to be trained uh, are are put onto a program that will onboard them quickly and so forth. That is very difficult to do. And then how do you do that a couple of times a week in addition to all the training stuff that you've been planning you know, for the last six months anyway? So it's a very fluid environment that we see with a lot of our customers. You, know, you start with a plan. Uh, that's a lot of work to get that together at scale. So that can take, you know, weeks and weeks to, to put together the shell of a plan. And then you start executing it and then the plan goes out the window in you know, week three because there's an important new acquisition or you know, your classroom, I don't know, got flooded or whatever happens. So those are those are the types of things that that we see a lot. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I just a story from us as a software business, you know, we we launched what we call Administrate University about three years ago. And it's designed to help our customers get certified on our platform. We have a big platform, there's a lot of ways you can deploy it and so forth. And effectively, the launch happened and our VP comes in and says, hey, you know, this is great. We got all this stuff done. And it's like, great, you know, hooray. And, uh, you know, I think we did, we were working virtually because it's during the pandemic. So there's like, you know, little emojis on Slack, which we use as our messenger internally and all this stuff. And then the next week, same thing happens and there's more people that we train. It's like, great. And then uh, they come in and they say, well, we've actually taken the administrate training data and we've married it up with our Zendesk ticketing system. Uh, and what we've seen is that for those customers that went through the, the certification process, their ticket volume dropped by half. 
and their NPS net promoter score went up by 20 points. Right. And so it was like, at that moment is like, just light bulbs are flashing. It's like, wow, we need to double the investment <laughs> like today on this, on this training program, because that is moving the needle for me as a CEO of our business. And that's making our customers' lives better. And everything is just becoming better because of this training. And if you don't have that ability to make those decisions or the platform to support you on, on discovering what's, what's happening there, it's just difficult. And so, you know, that's a story from our own business. Uh, but we've seen that type of story happen over and over again with customers. They finally get to demonstrate ROI and then the doors get blown open with opportunity for those teams to, to expand it, to, to double down. Wow. What other examples uh, of ROI uh, can be achieved? I don't think people are thinking about this, but uh, you know, from my own perspective, it's, I guess anytime there's administrators, anytime there's spreadsheets, like uh, how, how else do you quantify uh, the return on investment? Uh, I think a lot of organizations may have a better way to think about this. A lot of organizations don't realize how much money they're pulling down, pouring down the hole. And, uh, you know, and I know that you help them think about uh, return on investment as, as part of uh, your solution and services. Expand out on where these areas might be hiding. You know what, what I think is actually super tragic uh, is we have yet to encounter a, a customer or a partner that we're working with that doesn't understand where they need to demonstrate ROI or where they need to measure something to, to show the, the needle of their business moving. And I think the tragedy is, is that everybody kind of knows what they need to be able to demonstrate, but they just can't because they don't have the infrastructure and they don't have the setup in order to, to be able to do that. Or it may take them so long that they're kind of demonstrating ROI, you know, 10, 12 times a year at a monthly meeting somewhere. And that, that report takes a lot of effort and maybe, you know, four or five people to pull together. And it's a, it's a huge process. And so I think that what we have found is with with our customers and the folks that we're working with, they have a pretty clear worldview on what would move the business needle for them, uh, whether it's you know demonstrating that we can get new sales or the customer experience is better or, or whatnot. It's just the lack of actual infrastructure to do that is really hampering them. And so we can obviously add our thoughts and best practices and so forth. And, and one, of the one of the things we love is bringing our customers together, you know, we, we have digital meetups and, you know, pre pre pandemic, we ran a, a customer a conference that was really great and customers, you know, exchange notes and all that stuff. Um, but it's really about, you know, if you think what, what is, if I'm a manufacturer, how do I drive down manufacturing errors and how do I shorten the, the time to getting a new body out on the assembly line and effective? And how do we improve our materials when, when folks aren't, aren't grokking exactly what it is we're, we're trying asking them to do those types of questions, that interrogation kind of ability of the data that's out there just doesn't exist in, in classic learning products. And so, you know, we, we really, our, our job is to kind of open the door of opportunity to these people, and then they can go and do what they're really good at. And we've, we've never really found a shortage of uh, great ideas coming from customers. They're just, they're just, people are just limited by, by the, the infrastructure. And in fact, we were talking um, just, just the other week, we were, we had this great example where, you know, Napoleon is trying to invade Russia, right? And he's the most, one of the most brilliant generals of all time. And he had one of the best armies ever assembled. 
And it's like his, his plan was perfect and he knew all the logistics that had to be done and, and so forth. But it's like the missing ingredient was railroads hadn't really been built to, to Russia and the telegraph hadn't really been invented yet. And so without that infrastructure that he really needed to, to mount that campaign, it was doomed to fail no matter how great he was or how, how great his army was. And that's how we kind of view the landscape with, unfortunately, a lot of these talented, amazing people out there that are working really hard. They're just, they're just hampered by a complete lack of infrastructure. Wow. Cool. Cool. Uh, you know, shifting gears a, a little bit, uh, you recently developed a, a new tool called the scheduler, uh, for, uh, really dug deep in the naming. Uh, my guess is that it's scheduling, but what it is cool is that you've, uh, enabled, uh, using AI to, really do some heavy lifting. Can you tell us about that tool? Cause I haven't ever seen anything like it before. And uh, just want to share that with our listeners. Yeah, sure. So, you know, again, thinking back to the the scale of the customers that we're servicing, you know, there's, there's thousands of instructors, you know, hundreds of classrooms, hundreds of pieces of equipment, thousands of courses and tens of thousands of learners. And you sit down at the beginning of a, of a year or maybe at the end of a year planning next year. And you think, you know, all right, what do we need? To, what's the curriculum going to be for next year? And, and that's a huge problem. And what we found was that um, while our platform for years has been automating tons and tons of this mechanical work that needs to be done to line everything up and so forth, building out a master plan or thinking in terms of, you know, this, this global plan for training was something that we hadn't yet attempted to solve, but it was impacting every single one of our customers. And so we started to, to listen more and more and watch how our, how our customers were working. And what, what we came to the realization was, is if we could provide a worksheet for these customers that basically lets them say, we want to do these things. We want to, we want to train these people and these quantities and so forth over the next year. Uh, Then, you know, we could surface things like availability of instructors or, or, you know, resources and so forth. And then also potentially start helping with the solution to that, to that puzzle. And so this is kind of a classic computer science problem. Won't bore everybody with the, the the geeky stuff, although although I think it's cool. But basically, it's a solver that uh, that comes and runs thousands and thousands of potential solutions. Uh, comes up with one that you know, you know ones that they, it thinks are are good candidates, and then tries to optimize further from that from that framework. And and so there's there's definitely AI involved. Um, it's not perfect, but our goal is to get most customers kind of 80% of the way there. And then there's always the, the manual fiddling and things that happen uh, around the edges of that. And so that's a problem we've been working on for a couple of years now. Uh, we feel like we're uniquely situated to solve that because most learning products just don't have all of the, you know, this, this classroom of this size is needed in these times for this, this class to be delivered, you know, and that's data that we uniquely hold. Um, we can bring in other data from other learning products, and we often do that to help make those decisions. But it's it's a really exciting thing, and and most importantly, we think it's really cool. <laughs> but it'll save it'll save a ton of time, and and hopefully reduce that you know weeks long, month long. I mean, we've heard some customers like we spend two plus months on this problem of scheduling out the the next year to to hopefully you know 20, 30 minutes, go grab a cup of coffee, come back, tweak some things, run it again. And that could be a couple of days problem that's really done without too much effort versus the the intense 
kind of concentration of, of effort that that's required today. Mm -hmm. So instead of just doing it one by one by one, you can do it a thousand times all or more all at the same time and schedule rooms and classes and locations and qualified instructors and take into account things like vacations and not being there. You're picking your kid up at school or, you know, whatever those things may be. So it sounds like integration is a big part of uh, your, your solving of these ecosystems. Can you comment on that? Is that, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we have a platform and we do a few things very well, such as the, you know, getting all the classroom stuff, you know, lined up and managed and automated and, and whatnot and reporting we're very good at. But we made a specific decision about five years ago that we wanted to be a platform and we wanted to be infrastructure. And there are plenty of things that our customers absolutely require and they they, they need to be done in, in a very high quality way that we are never going to do or we're never going to be the best at. And so if that if we believe that to be true, then the strategy was we need to make this platform as easy to integrate as possible with other learning products, both in the movement of data back and forth, but also the holding of data so that we can then mine it to answer questions like what's the best schedule for next year. So the, you know, from technical terms, that means we have become an API first company. Uh, the way that we develop our, our services and products is as a customer, you get access to the exact same API that our engineers have to, to build our own product. So you've got the same power that, that an engineer here at the company would have to, to build something. Uh, we've also invested heavily in organizations that have integration integration platforms as a service or iPaaS or things like a, a middleware, Boomi, Workado, the like, those tools where you can do a bit more drag and drop, you know, business analyst type knitting together of systems. We've had some customers just have massive success very quickly building complex integrations using using these products and, and administrate. So the 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 challenge is really most customers have somewhere between 10 and 15 different learning tools just in the learning ecosystem of 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 products that they use we got to get those integrated and then we also want to get the platform integrated with whatever the business systems are so that we can then again always tie that roi all the way back to moving some business metric that that more than just the training team cares about wow impressive impressive man we're out of time already John, so we'll finish up with a last question on advice here. What's your, uh, you, you've talked a lot about uh, today, uh, ROI in general, and uh, organizations already recognizing, you know, wh what they want to impact. What's what's your best advice for, for the owners of all this process to communicate internally the need to add a training management system or, or add some sort of platform to, to tie this together. How, how do you get started with that conversation uh, internally? What do you see your clients doing? It's a great question. There's probably no one size fits all answer, but I would just say that, you know, if you look around within, within our customers, these are very successful, big brand names, uh, you know, about three, four years ago, <laughs> We finally started having customers that my mom had heard of, and and that was very impressive, and and so forth. And <laughs> so these are very successful, like high quality organizations. And the the thing that that kind of fries me a little bit is when you look at these organizations, every team, right? The marketing team, the sales team, the production team, whatever it is, manufacturing, organ, whatever whatever type of business it is, they'll have a system 
that is built for them to live and work and breathe in and they can they can do a great job and it's a force multiplier until you get to the training team right and then they'll have an LMS sometimes usually three or four LMSs but they won't have this core system or core infrastructure that's supporting their day-to-day highly critical very important workflows and ways of, of working. And, and that, that seems, you know, it's 2023 now, and that seems very uh, unusual and it's out of line with the rest of the business. And so, you know, it's, it's, there's this idea that like, well, why, why are we one of the very few teams in the whole organization that is supposed to be working on spreadsheets or pen and paper and, and whiteboards, you know? And, and so that's, that's a good starting point, right? Let's just get the baseline infrastructure and then, and then we can move up the value chain and start to deliver, you know, automation that increases the training team's productivity and job satisfaction and all kinds of stuff. And then we can really start to focus on what are the problems of this organization? You know, we've all read these LinkedIn posts where people are talking about, oh, you know, whatever the one is where it's like the, the CFO is like, oh, you know, what, what if, what if we train these people and they leave? And then the CEO is like, what if we don't? And they stay right. And it, so people are always posting this stuff, but it's like, let's just put the money where, where our mouths are a little bit and, uh, and actually invest some, some here and put the learning function at the, at the head of the business leading the charge. One of the things that I'm most proud of uh, that has happened over the last 10 years is we have a customer called Fordrock. They came to us right after they'd raised their Series A funding. They went public uh, a couple of years ago. So massive, fast growth story. And what happened is because uh, Kevin, the VP there, got his infrastructure nailed from day one, he had us in pretty much within the first month of, of starting the job. Uh, and he had seen what happens when this infrastructure doesn't exist because he was uh, head of the, tr- the learning function at Sun Microsystems when they were growing like crazy. So he gets his infrastructure nailed right at the, the ground level. The company goes on this massive growth spurt. Uh, and, and over the next five, six years, just you know, doubles, 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 triples in size. Lots of money raised, great product, um, just, just doing a fantastic job executing but he started getting more and more responsibility. And then they win this contract for like the open banking initiative to provide all the security for banking transactions within the UK. And it's the head of the training team that gets put in charge of this transformation project to basically make sure that they were compliant and got all these certifications and so forth. And on the one hand, we're like, that's weird. Like why, why is the VP of learning and, and training being put on these like mission critical transformational projects. But on the other hand, actually, doesn't that make sense? Because you want the learning team to be at the forefront of whatever challenge you have as a business, because that is where you're going to get tons and tons of value and ROI and your, your teams are going to perform better if they're well-trained and deployed and so forth. And we, we say all these things on LinkedIn while Fordrock was actually plowing that into practice and so that's, we're really, really proud of Kevin and his team. I mean, they did all the work, but it was kind of like, this is cool. This is what happens when infrastructure is put in place and, and people are, are really empowered to do a great job. Then it transforms the organization. And, you know, it was really neat. One of the, the last remaining founders is still head of their customer success team. And they went public and we got an email and it was like, you know, you're one of the big reasons for our success. The, the, the fact that this infrastructure is in place and, and that feels really good. And that should not be a surprise, even though I think at the time we were a little bit surprised, but now we want to see that with every customer. Wow. Sage advice. 
John Peebles, CEO of Administrate. You know, for years we've been talking about getting a seat at the the executive table uh, here from the training and development function. And, you know, here's a way to do it is uh, to modernize your business, get your platform in place, just like any other critical systems and get yourself in on changing the company in a measurable way. And all that will pull out the chair for you for sure. Uh, John, thanks for stopping by today and sharing your wisdom and the work that you're doing. It's really exciting. I can't wait to uh, keep up with it. Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, also, you can uh, find more information about the Administrate solution at getadministrate.com and uh, read all about a lot of the things that we're talking about today from a product and from a, a business conceptual standpoint. And of course, you can find more of our fiercely independent content at talentedlearning.com. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show podcast series. We hope to see you on the next. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, John. Thank you.